Hi, and welcome to The Theology Box, a podcast dedicated to seeing how God fits into the world we live in. We hope you enjoy your time with us today, where theology is the conversation. Hey everyone, uh, thanks for tuning in. This is your host, William Carroll, and today we have our special guest, Casey McGill. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're working out a few of the kinks, uh, but anyway, Casey works for, uh, well, Casey works for a place, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about his um, missionary efforts, and uh, what I really want to talk about is the core of what missionary work is, why you do mm, it, yeah. and like some of the differences between the effect of short-term missions, why I personally think Water Wells is a better um, format, structure for short-term missions, mm-hmm. um, but also... Maybe we could talk about long. I I don't think either one of us have been on long term mission trips, like years. Well, being. I think the longest I've really probably been out on a missionary trip any period of time has been probably about four months. But yeah, I wouldn't consider that long term necessarily. Yeah. It's still kind of short term. Yeah. Um. But so, uh, before we get into that, and um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So, um. Thank you for the introduction. Um, yeah, my name is Casey McGill. Um, I have uh, always been very interested in uh, the Bible my whole entire life. In fact, I got a couple degrees <laughs> in it as well. Um, I have uh, most recently Master's in Divinity, and um, I've done quite a bit of missionary work over the past 10 years more specifically um in africa and um yeah you know i'm i i think that i think that the what we've been doing there and the compassion um that we're able to kind of express in a real tangible way has been has been some of my favorite parts of ministry in the pursuit of ministry has been some of my favorite moments so Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about um Sam and I talked about ministry and we kind of summarized it as this um it's it's like uh like I was kind of asking like what's the point of ministry at all? Mm. Like you could be a volunteer anywhere and serve people anywhere. So why is it mm. is it special for the church? You know, and we it's because God, you know, is working through us to demonstrate love to people and that he's also, I think, I think in the, I don't think we touched on this, but in the opportunity of ministry, we can say, this is what God is doing, right? Versus like, yeah, I'm, I'm a helpful person, which is good. It's good to be helpful, but it's also good to give honor to God for the good things. Uh, Yeah. Um, with you, missionary work I feel like it kind of goes um part and parcel to that but it's a little I I feel it's even a little more abstract like we can look at um and scripturally Paul being a a big uh, missionary person a big player in spreading the gospel and he he worked as a tent maker in these towns that he'd visit but then he'd also enter into the synagogue and be like by the way, check this out, you know, like, yeah, this is, uh, Jesus and, 
doing these uh, things with the the gospel narrative to try to explain it and express it to people. So, so in that like frame of mind, how do you view? What's your own personal take on ministry, and also how how do you believe that missions exemplify the that heart of God, and you know, I, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, well, I think that something you mentioned, you know, kind of about, I guess, ministry in general being or what would be different about it in the church. I think what's really important to kind of clarify there is, you know, um, cause you're right. You know, I think anybody can go do something helpful for somebody. So what's the difference? Well, for me, I think that one of the main purposes of ministry is spreading the gospel. And that doesn't necessarily always have to be in the most traditional way that you might imagine somebody doing so. Um, I think that, I think that, um, showing people the person of Christ through your actions is just as, if not, um, even more so valid in a lot of cases, especially people that have never heard his name, heard the name of Jesus before ever, you know? And I think that, um, cross-cultural ministry specifically, maybe not necessarily in my current vicinity, but you know, going to another continent, for instance, than where you're from. Um, especially uh, if you're from a particularly wealthy country and you're going to a country that might be third world or a little more poor than what you're used to, uh, that can present opportunities that uh, that just don't exist anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember... Um I did a, a Mexico outreach short-term mm-hmm. mission. I think that might be the only mission. Yeah, that was, I think that's the only mission I've ever really done. Because mm-hmm. I've I've always been kind of curious as to like the effect of short-term mini- mission missionary work. Um, because you go into a place and maybe you show them God's love and then you evacuate the place, you know, right. and you don't leave much behind except for maybe a good feeling maybe some shared information. Um, like with the one in Mexico outreach, I was fortunate enough to have a, a skill set mm-hmm. with plumbing that I helped connect the waste, uh, their waistline from their bathrooms to the sewer. Mm-hmm. So like that was kind of cool because I, you yeah. know, I got to do something a little more tangible. Right. But, but it wasn't like, you know, anybody could have done it. They, they have enough talent there that they could have done it. But, you know, I got to spend a day doing it. Right. And, um, and I think that's one of the cool things about water wells for Africa is because you guys, you're not just going there as representatives of the church, which is a real key part to it being a, right. a mission versus <laughs> a, a humanitarian effort. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're going there as representatives of a, a particular church or maybe a, a group of people within the church that want to affect a good long-term change that will increase the sanitation of people's lives, the, sure. their health overall, the amount of labor that they have to perform just to have basic necessities and things like that. And you're mm-hmm. able to pull resources um, financially from, you know, this really rich nation that we have here, mm-hmm. you know, the United States, and yeah. you pull those resources into a place that like 
the the small the f- several thousand dollars it probably takes to do this is like right. a, a million dollar project to the people i would i would feel like i, I don't know exactly like you know like the, well it like, is yeah actually literally even so because <clears throat> their currency it's multiple millions of their currency compared to our you know five or six thousand or eight thousand dollars uh for one of those wells when we're out there but honestly i think it's a very fair question what you proposed because i and and i think that's kind of especially over recent years in ministry and missionary work kind of been a, a little bit of a hot topic a question you know what what really good does short-term ministry work do what are we leaving behind and the question has been raised is it really is it really more for the missionary than it is for the people that yeah that you're going to see and i think that's a fair question um <clears throat> my missionary work has been i has been mostly in Africa and mostly with the same organization. Um, I have gone out there a few other times for other reasons, but mostly with Waterwells for Africa, as we've been talking about, um, which I personally, the model that, that, that I've watched them kind of facilitate and honestly do now for the last 25 years, which is they just had their 25 year anniversary. Um, I didn't know they had been around for that long. Yeah. 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 Um, the president, um, his name is pastor Kurt Dolan. Um, he's been doing this for 25 years now. And, uh, I just, this model that they've created is really, really neat. So basically how, how it works is, there is a nonprofit organization called Water Wells for Africa mm. that has actual donors that donate money to pay for these wells. Now, a lot of people ask the question, oh, so you go out there and you're digging the wells. Well, actually, we don't <laughs> dig anything. Yeah, I think anything. I mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah. everybody does. Yeah. And, and that's your first thought. Oh, you're going out there for two weeks, you know, in June or something to go dig wells. Well, we're not actually digging wells. The cool part is, is that our generous donors are paying for uh, what most of their money is paying for is um, first we have to survey the land. But long story short, we have a drilling company out there and one representative that kind of oversees all of this. And they go out to these remote places and they end up drilling down into the ground and finding clean water. Yeah. And so when we get there, our team gets there in the summertime, which is winter for them southern hemisphere right um we actually get to go kind of behind the whole well installation uh process and we go dedicate these new wells to these new communities Mm. and what's really neat what's really really neat is that it gives us an opportunity to come in and share christ Mm-hmm. to these people who otherwise wouldn't have any idea who we are. Um, <clears throat> and many of the communities would not even invite us in because a lot of the communities, like for instance, we, we've been speaking to um, a specific people group there called the Yao, and they are um, Muslim. <clears throat> right. And a lot of the village chiefs and that kind of thing, the the elders, the leaders of the people, uh, they would never allow a Christian person to come in. <clears throat> but because we're coming in with these 
you know, like, hey, with the with with this, hey, we're gonna we're gonna come in and we're gonna provide clean water for you people for the first time in your entire lives. You know, they've never had clean water. Yeah. Uh, they have no source of clean water. The yeah, they have no ability to drill yeah. that deep into the earth. And yeah, yeah, it kind of opens this door for us to come in and actually, <clears throat> and actually share the love of Christ. But not just by reading the Bible, which we do that as well, but by by providing literal life to them through water. And and that's it's a kind of a little more creative and practical way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I find that that method of short-term ministry is far more effective than just simply going somewhere and leaving. Like you said, what do you leave behind? Maybe you speak, uh, you know, a nice message that gets translated into what their language, or maybe, you know, <clears throat> you hug a few children, but really, I mean, is it just a good feeling that you're leaving behind? Well, we're able to actually leave something tangible behind that is practical. It actually helps them in their everyday life. And yeah, helps and that, them that well will always be a mark that like reminds yeah. them of you and right. the, the Christians that came. Exactly. Yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, I do. I do wonder about um, so many missionary efforts that go to fairly well-resourced lands and yeah. like to share the gospel and like countries that have been Catholicized for, you know, 2000 years or, or maybe you're part of the Protestant, you know, ideal. It, I guess in some way, like there is a need for the God, of course there is a need for the gospel to be shared in those places, Mm -hmm. but like that building of relationship and community, I don't think it can happen in the, in the short term. So it's better. It is better to leave something tangible behind. I think it's funny that when I went to Citrus College, one of the um, first people I met, because I was, I was sitting alone. I didn't know anyone yet. It was, and I, you know, I grew up in Big Bear. I went in the army, which I do want to relate some of the mission aspects of the military into this, uh, maybe in a little bit. But um, I, I was just sitting there, and this uh, Korean guy came up to me and started talking to me about the gospel. And he was, I, I believe he was talking, I think he was just asking, like, are you a Christian? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And he's like, oh, okay, because uh, I'd really like to you to get to know Jesus, you know. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I do. And, and, and it was actually not like, because I've, I've met people where they're doing that and then they're, like, pressuring you, even though you say you're a Christian already. <laughs> but he was, like, really, like, uh, he was a missionary mm-hmm. from Korea sent here because of the 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 um spiritual perceived spiritual situation of our culture right so he was going to college he was taking classes while he was here and it's it it's interesting to me that like like he actually was a friend for a little while and i think that his impact of like being there in that moment you know and I'm sure he didn't get like a vision or something, but like being led by the spirit to like be in the United States, like affected my life in a positive way. Yeah. So it's, it, it is important in some sense. And we really don't know, um, exactly where we can be that, that, that aspect of, 
Okay, so that's I guess maybe that's how I could relate it to like the mission orientation of the the military is that you're you're like a soldier 24/7, right? In uniform, out of uniform, you're supposed to behave like a soldier and always be prepared for a mission. Mm-hmm. Um and so there's like these things called op opsec, which is a operational security. So even when you're in your civilian clothes, you don't um, share information. Right. Right. Cause that just makes sense. <laughs> right. But, um, or if you're, um, going to the store, uh, you're going to buy a healthy food so that way you stay physically fit for mm-hmm. the mission or the types of clothing you buy or the types of gear you, you want to, you get your military issued stuff, but you should be upgrading it when you visit the store for, for the mission, you know? And, um, I think that that's kind of um, something that the short-term mission trip loses in the presence of daily, like, life. So, like, um, again, you know, that's that's why I like the model of water whales for Africa is that you're you're gearing up to go do the thing, and then it leaves a profound impact. Um, and a longer-term mission like like I was in Iraq for 15 months and I could say that through the presence of the military there we devastated and reinvested in people's lives out there but um that so it's like this mixed bag because you know it's it's a it's a political machine you know the military but um if we if if we and you know people disagree with me but if we had entered iraq and then just left we would have we'd have left it in a a devastated state without any real sign of um mm-hmm. it w- you know we we would have had it cave in on itself by destroying the support structure and then not help to rebuild it and even now you know it's shaky but um the long term missionary i think can look at his ideal the same way where you're you are going out there to disrupt people's lives with with the gospel um with with love right that's like the big disruptor that's the big weapon of our um army (laughs) the lord's army right um so Mm. um yeah, if you go out there and you disrupt something with the gospel and then don't do anything to like support a community that can grow around it, you know, and, and uh, then you, c- you can leave people in a really fractured place or a place where, um, you know, yeah, you touched on their life and it maybe made an impact, but, you know, the surrounding culture is going to reabsorb that and not really do anything with it if you don't um, continue to show a presence. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important too, for us because, you know, we go every year and they see the same faces. There's a lot of new people that come on our team. We invite a lot of young people to come with us. Um, and I think that, I think really what, even whether it's long-term or short-term, I think the most important thing is to understand what is your purpose what are you doing? What is your goal? Because whether you're going to be in a country for two weeks or two years, you need to have a reason or a goal Mm. to be there. So 
you have to know your boundaries. Okay, if I'm going to be here for two weeks and I want to make the best impact that I can, how do I maximize my time? What do I do? How do I, how do I get, you know, here's what kind of goal is realistic for me with the time frame that I'm working with Hmm. and what can I do to get there? And I think the planning has to kind of evolve around that as well. Um, so that when you get there, you can be as effective as possible. Um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned earlier, there is that, that question of, is the short term missionary trip really more for the missionary than for the ones that you're going to. And, and I think that in my experience with the way that I've done missionary, short term missionary work, it really goes both ways. Um, it's impossible to go, especially from a country like America to one of the poorest countries in the world and spend even just two weeks there. Usually we're there for about a month, four or five weeks in the summertime, every summer. But even if we were only in there for two weeks, it's impossible to experience that and not change and not have your whole, because it brings, it brings perspective to your life that is invaluable that you can't get anywhere else. Mm. You know, one thing that I think is very easy to do in a wealthy country like this is to take certain things for granted. Like the fact that I can walk into my kitchen right now and turn the faucet on and get clean water, you know, and we even complain about that, you know, Oh no, I don't want to drink that. I'm going to drink, you know, bottled water or or filtered water or something something like that. But the fact is that if I drink that water, I'm not going to get sick and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to die. Unless you're (laughs) in Flint, Michigan. Well, <laughs> no. there might be well, there, some places. Yeah, there, I mean, but that's so isolated. There's always yeah. exceptions, There's, but yeah. the point is, is that, um, you know, obviously on a podcast you can't show pictures and videos right. and that kind of thing. But not yet. We're working. Water on Wells for something. Africa. Uh, has taken lots of videos. In fact, we there's a website you can go to and watch. There's, we've got a lot of footage of these water sources that people, um. Uh, that people get their water from on a daily basis and it's absolutely disgusting just insect frog infested like just kind of little pools that that come up from underneath the ground and and they do everything with that water these sources of water that they have to they have no other choice than to draw from are making them sick and killing them because Mm -hmm. they have no other option um, and the crazy part is there's clean water right under the ground, but it's so far down they can't get to it. So we're able to build sustainable water source sources through a hand pump well yeah. system. Um, but we don't just stop there because obviously these are very remote places, um, even for a third world country. But we establish what a water committee in every community that we ha- that we have these wells in that are their sole purpose is to maintain this well and make sure that the community is taking care of it. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. There. Yeah. There's some because that kind of mechanical device will break down. Well, and we tell them, yeah. you know, look, this is something you have to take care of. We're not going to come back and fix it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it broke, we would come back and fix it. But we tell them. 
because we want them to take care of it. Yeah. Um, even, even living in a country like that, it's easy to take things for granted after a while. That's just human nature. Right. When you have something nice, it's, it's great at first if you've never had it, but after a while you, you, you can, there's always the, 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 um, uh, the danger of possibly starting to take like it for complacency. granted. Complacency. Complacency, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So anyway, we establish a water committee and then we let them know, hey, you guys need to take care of this. Uh, this is life. And we'll give each well that we install, uh, we'll give it a specific name and the meaning behind that name and why it's important. And we do. We tell them, hey, this costs a lot of money, more money than you probably have ever seen in your life or ever will. Because we, we want them to see the value of this. We want them to understand, um, you know, it's not us trying to like say, oh, you know, we're rich or something like that. It's not, not even at all. In fact, every single well that we install um, has a specific donor and we put a plaque on each well with that donor's name oh, wow. and we tell the people there of that village specifically who those people are and that they and that they've they've donated the money so that they can have this well Mm -hmm. so we don't take you know our team specifically does not take that glory you know we we let them know somebody with money has given you this well and this is how much it costs and that's why you need to take care of it yeah um so we we want to kind of instill that that responsibility in the people yeah. No, do you, important. do you, um, so with, um, with, so water, water wells for Africa is like a non-governmental organization, right? Nonprofit. Yeah. Nonprofit. Yeah. The, the nonprofits are usually non, non-government. So in like the military classification of it, it would be an NGO. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um, well technically it's not quite, it, it's not quite at that point yet. In fact, there are future I've been talking with the president Kurt Dolan about possibly creating an, a full fledged NGO but oh. anyway that's so it's not quite there yet it's not quite it's, there it's yet a, but it's we're, on the, we're talking about it it's on it, the track yeah. of yeah. being so um, do, do you when you go into these Muslim communities mm-hmm. do you ever find opportunities to speak about like you know Jesus because Muslims are pretty cool with Jesus until you say that he's God, right? So, like, um, I know uh, one of the few things that I do know about Islam is um, that they... So, when I was in Iraq, I would speak with, like, um, these, like, Sunni and Shiite and Christian Arabic people, you know? And it, it was like a... Oh, two out of the 10 guys that were willing to help us by being interpreters, local national interpreters, two out of the 10 of them were Christian. So I'm sure the population is much less right than in the general po- population. Um, but they all got along pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's much less the dynamic of like the Muslims hate you and you're going to kill it. They're going to kill you because you're Christian is like right. just not as, you know, it's just not, it it is if you're trying to convert people, right? They will. That's like against Sharia law, right? To convert out of uh, Islam. But uh, uh, as far as like being a Christian or being somebody that 
follows the Bible because they look at the Bible as a holy book, right? It's it's still a holy mm-hmm. book, even if they disagree on a Christian interpretation. Um, the Jews and the First Testament or the Old Testament has um, validity in their eyes because it's what um, m- the prophet Muhammad used to explain himself and his view of God and it's, you know, including the new Testament. So he used all that stuff and, um, yeah. So in that opportunity to share the love of God with people, um, it, it, it would, I would imagine that would be terribly difficult to transfer what you're doing um, because it exemplifies God's love and they know you're Christian and they can probably have like a newfound respect for the Christians Mm. but um, they also believe in one God that you're claiming to believe in as well so right yeah so how how do you feel how has that dynamic played out for you well uh, in a more practical sense, I mean, there's a few different things I think are worth mentioning that I've seen out there. Um, yeah, when we start entering the Muslim community, it's definitely a lot more difficult to uh, to do the more traditional missionary type um, work, to be honest, because um, there are a lot of people that don't listen you know, mm. when we start talking about Jesus Christ as God, the, we we do have people walking away, but there's also a lot of people that don't. Um, and we do we do have a lot of conversions, but I I I will say this. Do though, you feel like any immediate danger in that? No, environment? and in fact, that's what I was gonna get at. It's a little different in the countries that we're in in Africa. So, um, Islam generally speaking uh if you go to like a middle eastern country i think that um the general kind of like uh feedback or rather um reaction you get like being a christian ministering like just being a missionary in general is in the from the christian church uh, you, you're probably going to get a little bit more of an aggressive type reaction mm-hmm. if you're trying to convert someone than in an African country. Because African countries, they're still Muslim. They may not agree with you, but it's not as as dangerous to, to do that. You might get rejected, but I've never in the 10 years that I've been going to Africa now have feared for my life because of another person wanting to hurt me. Well, yeah, now, I've gotten sick good. and thought I was going to die, that's, like, yeah, that's but that's a, a whole other story. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's different, you know? Um, and that's the other thing that is really awesome with water wells for Africa and what we're doing with the whole kind of borehole bore slash well projects is that they know we're there to help them. Mm-hmm. They're not going to hurt us. Because they know it's in, in the fact that we've been doing it for so many years is a lot of the people we go to, they've heard of us before already. Yeah, yeah. And so they know that what we're doing is helping their people. A lot of them or some of them or a portion of them may not agree with some of the things that we're preaching and that's okay. 
not not everybody's gonna I have to remind myself every day because I tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist specifically with work like that um you know when Jesus spoke to the crowds you know not even all of them agreed with him in fact half the crowd hated him you know so I can't put the expectation on myself that I'm gonna go out to this Muslim community and convert every single person that's just not realistic but there will be people that walk away there will be people that are offended and don't want to hear what you have to say and that's okay do you guys stay in communication with them like in a like a like letters of support or encouragement yeah so letters are a little difficult Mm. um i think that for us we like to go and revisit wells that we've done in the past when we can um we like to go back to the same communities that we've been in the past um and every night that we're out there, we go to a different village and we come with the Jesus film and we come with our testimonies and we come with, you know, a message or whatever it may be. And we pray for people. Um, and we always, always, always have an opportunity for people to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, that's the way that they do ministry out there as well as another factor to take into consideration mm-hmm. because we're, it's not just us out there. We're taking, um, people from the country of Malawi where we're doing all this in the church there with us out into these remote villages yeah. and doing ministry with them. They're translating for us, that kind of thing. And they have a, f- a specific way of doing ministry as well. And we have to be culturally, you know, um, respectful to that too. Um, we don't want to end up becoming this egocentric machine. Yeah, or like we the think imperialist ideal. Where we have yeah. the, yeah, where we think that our way is best. We have to defer to a lot of their understanding too. Because they, even though it's it's interesting because even the people from the city that that are in the church they themselves going out with us are doing cross-cultural ministry mm. on a whole other level, on a much different level than us, but still themselves even so. Yeah, to reach outside of the yeah. established city right. or whatever. Yeah. So we'll bring translators, for instance, mm. from the church in one, of the, in one of the larger cities out into the village, like out into the bush, like the real remote places. And these young kids that are translating for us they've never been out there before they've never seen some of the stuff some of the poverty that's out in these really remote villages Mm -hmm. and so even for them it's this crazy cross-cultural experience but you know so it's good for them too so it's kind of interesting Hmm. we get to okay yeah um we get to not only bring young people from here in America out there to experience this whole missionary um, kind of experience but we also get to bring young people from their country that are from the city out to have their own kind of missionary experience too so it's a whole kind of another layer of I guess blessing if you will to their people Um, uh, but yeah so there's that, that dynamic as well but yeah I think I think that I think that going back to the whole Muslim thing um something something for us that is really important um 
that's really neat actually is that there are, are other companies out there that are installing these boreholes, these wells. Mm. Um, and the church, the, 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 um, you'll, if you, okay, well, let me put it to you this way. If you drive down a major road in some of these Muslim areas, you'll see the mosques, of course, and you'll see these wells that are next to these mosques. Well, that water is available to anybody who converts to Islam. Wow. <laughs> but for anyone else, it's off limits. And if you try to go get that water, you know, they're going to, you're going to, whatever the repercussion is depending on the area. So, um, but you're not allowed to. Now we come in and we find places that need them and we say, everybody's welcome to this water. There is no restriction. And we do that under the, in the name of Jesus Christ, who we call God. Yeah. And so, we have this really neat opportunity to show them the love of Christ in the sense that it welcomes everyone and does not exclude. Yeah. And I think it's such a beautiful opportunity for us. Yeah. That you is a really I mean? cool illustration. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah, no, that's, worth mentioning. That's, that's awesome. Totally. That's, that's actually a really powerful image. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get back a little bit to, um, mission as a so I mm, the the effect of it mm-hmm. um I had a thought but that was such a cool image that I totally lost it <laughs> I'm like wait I don't want to talk about that but I just also kind of want to let it stand alone as well because I never I didn't I didn't realize that yeah. um I well there's this um so my friend Mark, who usually does the show with me, um, lived with a guy named Edson and the other guy who, if he ever listens because of Mark and hears the show, will be like, hey, man, why didn't you remember my name? Because <laughs> I can't remember his name. Uh, he <laughs> he lived with those two guys. And on the front door, there was a a, a cool piece of paper and it said, you are now entering the mission field. Yeah, and um, I think that that dynamic of um, so so I'm thinking about oh okay that was the question I had but le- let me finish this thought is that that dynamic of like there are people in need outside your own door and if you can carry that that picture that last image of like the inclusivity of God's love and I mean there there are I think theological dynamics that we have to deal with when it comes to uh, concepts of holiness and righteousness and correct living and and uh, we have to acknowledge that not everyone is living that way and they're you know they suffer repercussions of their own actions and and that to call somebody into Christ is to also call them into repentance um, but let's ignore that for now no <laughs> Sorry, well, because it's not towards the point. Sorry, I try to add a little humor on the show. Um, <laughs> so, if you if you ever listen to any of the shows, you know. No. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Casey's not a listener. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, okay. just take my word for it. Just take my word. <laughs> but uh, no. Um, well, so calling people into Christ, uh, 
is also a call to repentance. But I, there's also that, I, I think it's Paul wrote somewhere, that it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Right. Not by marking bold lines of restriction, you know, like, hey, you're excluded. Don't you want to come in? Right. <laughs> it's like, no, they don't. Right. <laughs> you know, you're, they feel excluded. Um, so that that's kind of a, I, I, I have a general question, though, for you. Um, speaking of, like, short term, and I, I, I think that's kind of the feeling I get is that some short term mission projects that don't have a precision or precise reason why they're going Mm -hmm. like, um, I really like the way you were talking about water wells. I could relate it to another military idea. Cause I, like I said, I don't have as much missionary aspect, like a living in my life, but I have long-term mission trips in the military that I took, you could say. So it's, it's hard for me to not relate it to that. But when you go out there and you have a precise reason why you're doing it, they can have a profound impact on the culture mm-hmm. and everything else that surrounds it versus, um, hey, we're just going to show the love of Jesus to everyone we meet. And like, that's cool. Um, but you're also going to a place that I would like to vacation to. So <laughs> yeah. where where's this, where's the suffering on the part of it? You know, where's like, are those people really absent the gospel or are you just visiting churches in countries that you've always wanted to visit, you know? Um, so, um, yeah. When does the short term, cause now let's imagine somebody goes to a place like, I don't know, um, like a, a place I would like to go check out is somewhere in, in Europe or maybe South America. Um, I could go be a missionary there, right? Um, I could go visit some churches and call myself a missionary, but at what point does that attitude of like, I just want to share the love of God, but I also really want to be in that country. And when, when would it transfer from, and I think this has something to do with the little sign that I mentioned of the missions field is right outside your door. Um, let's say I go to, um, I don't know, somewhere in England, like Norway or, you know, Sweden. I've always wanted to go Mm -hmm. there. Let's say I go to Sweden for a few months. Like that's a vacation. And I could do some right outside my door missionary work and some ideal of it. Um, but to really make a profound and lasting impact on people's lives, I, I have to stay there. So where would that transition point be I guess is what I'm trying to get at like when do you feel like it's no longer this gray area of were you on mission or were you on vacation to definitely like wow man you were there for uh, you know three years and you dedicated a good portion of your life to like building something there community and relationships or physical tangible with like what what's the line there? What do you think? Well, I think I think it goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier about purpose and int- intentionality. I mean, you have to you have to start with okay, how much time do I have there? Right? Mm-hmm. If I've got 2 weeks, then I'm probably going to be 
jam-packing those two weeks full of stuff like every day. Maybe there's a day or two where I take a little more time to rest because everybody needs that. But if I've got a short amount of time and I'm paying thousands of dollars to fly overseas or something to another country, then I don't want to maximize my time. And I feel like that's the best way to do it is to make sure that you've got all this. But if, if you're saying, let's say, um, okay, I'm going to be over here for three years. Well, that's, you know, that's a little different. You're probably going to be there, have maybe a couple of weeks or something while you're going to go out and do something specific, but then you're going to have a home base where you come back and rest and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're vacationing or something necessarily. It just means that you're um, you're needing to take longer periods of rest because you're going to be out there longer. I think, I think it's really just comes down to the intentionality of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you can leave your country, go to another country, with the time frame that you are going to be there in mind, and have a specific mission, hence missionary trip, specifically what you're going to be doing with the time you've got, then that's a missionary trip. Yeah. You know, and I think that. It's a very important to consider what is realistic with the time you've got, what can we accomplish, and understand that if you're doing a short term, what you're trying to accomplish is going to be a lot different than if you're trying to go long term. Yeah. So for instance, um, when I was, uh, the first time I was in uh, Malawi, I went to Malawi specifically, which was in 2014. Um, I was there for a full month and I just fell in love with the country, you know, with the people, with the places we went, it was unbelievable. And, um, we came back to the United so much. So it, it impacted me so much so that, um, when we got back here to the United States, I, I bought a ticket and two, two weeks later I was back in Malawi (laughs) and, um, and I was there for another four months and doing more missionary work. This time it was kind of on my own. I didn't have a team with me, but that was okay. But during that time I didn't spend every single day out in the village you know, there were times where I took, I, I, I drove all over the country and I saw all these different places and I met with all these different people and I was able to share testimony and minister and, and dedicate water wells and all kinds of things. Oh, and were you, you, were you doing it through water wells? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, it's just yes. not with a team. Yeah. Just or not with a full like team a full like team. we do on our on our annual trips. Okay. I was, it was more on my own on that at that point. Um, but my point was to answer, you know, to address your question was, um, there were times where I was sitting around and doing nothing. I mean, at least it felt that way. Mm. And I actually journaled about it. Um, um, at the time I was attending, I was still doing my master's degree Mm. and, um, one of my professors, um, who I believe you you had to uh, Brian Lugioyo. Oh yeah, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. It's an awesome. Uh, at APU. Awesome yeah. Guy. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. He actually, I sat down with him. He actually created a distance learning class just for me uh, while I was in Africa 
for that period of time because obviously I missed my semester, right. you know, to do that. Um, and, and so during the time I was doing some actual coursework and part of that was journaling my experiences through this. One of the first things I realized being out there for a little bit longer period of time than normal is that there is a lot of downtime mm-hmm. and you have to, there's a lot of waiting right. and patience and it's okay to go and do something fun for a day or something when you're out there for a long period of time. It's okay to do that. And you don't need to feel like, like, oh, you know, I'm wasting my time or I'm not really doing missionary work. Um, or, or like you're taking advantage of something. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, now this specific country is not exactly a, a vacation location. You know, it's a third world country. I mean, there's not there's not a lot of luxury there. Mm. So that's one thing to begin with. But I guess really what I'm trying to get at here is that, um, you, you have to, you have to take the period of time to which you've got and make the most of it. And I don't think that, that, um, you know, taking some time for maybe, maybe even just a rest or relaxation is bad. It really just it comes down to what's in your heart. The reason I went back to Kenya, or not to Kenya, sorry, to the reason that I went back to uh, Malawi. I'll cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> the reason that I went back to Malawi for the next couple months afterward is because I fell in love with them and I fell in love with what we were doing and my heart was there. And that is what is the difference in my mind between a vacation and a missionary trip. Yeah. Because my heart being there gave me a purpose. And yeah, there might be days where I'm not doing a whole lot, but there's also going to be multiple week periods of time where I'm doing a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, as, as it is the same with any preacher or minister, whether it's here or in another country, the only thing you can do is plant seeds and pray that the Lord will, will grow the seeds that you throw. Mm -hmm. You will never know how many lives you've really touched or how many souls have really been impacted by the love of Christ that you share. You'll never know who really heard that message and was impacted. But you have to have faith that God will be faithful with your sacrifice to go out and speak and share and talk about your testimony. Yeah, I think that that's, um, yeah, that's really um, pretty good. I, 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 I think I still personally have a little bit of a hard time understanding the, because I I should, to understand it, I should do it more, probably more than likely. But it sounds to me like sometimes uh, having the right heart can be the purpose, and it could even be applied to short-term, you know, um, and long-term so 
I really like the way that you brought out the idea that it's the, the differentiation between what some might criticize and or and might what some might seem as authentic is really intention and i think that's kind of you know where the word why i think you hinted at it was like the reason we use the word mission because you're going out there for a purpose right and sometimes that purpose might just be that you feel um a deep rooted passion or love for the the people that you've encountered, the culture that you've encountered, and you want to continue to spread uh, God's love because it, it, because Jesus love heals the nations, right? So there is something just to doing that. Um, so I really want to thank you for uh, being on the podcast with me. Yeah. And, uh, thank you for so much for sharing your, uh, experience with water wells. I think we've, we've talked about it a little bit before, but there were some really cool insights that I hadn't heard, uh, before. Yeah. Well, I love it. Yeah. Honestly. Um, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be able to speak about this. Um, I, I love, I love sharing, sharing with people you know it brings hope to people and this is really what the church is all about you know sharing what god is doing in the world and sharing that hey you know what even if you don't see it right here right now in the place that you live it is happening in the world Mm -hmm. and god is still moving and the gospel is being spread so yeah thank you yeah awesome all right well uh thanks again everyone for listening And uh, thanks again to Casey. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Theology Box. This has been your host, William Carroll, and our special guest, Casey McGill. If you'd like to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, we update each week with a new episode or a word of encouragement. And a special thanks to The Theology Box team, my co-host, Mark Miller, social media manager, Megan Napier, and our music producer, Richard Liotto. I hope everyone has a good day and may the peace of the Lord be with you.